here we go. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to the maiden voyage of HSK Today. Brian McCormick here, you there. Jared Justice on the other side of the glass for one hour of horse hockey talk as we get you set for this weekend, what will be the first weekend at the Orleans Arena with fans in attendance as the Henderson Silver Knights get set to take on the San Jose Barracuda. Great to have everyone with us, and thank you all for uh, for tuning in. This will be our weekly program. Now, just for those of you who are, are setting your schedules now based off these first 30 seconds of broadcast excellence for the rest of your season, just to give everyone a heads up, this is our our first broadcast of the HSK Today show, and going forward, we will always be in this three to four slot, but we'll actually be moving to Thursday. So uh, being the uh, the Irishman that I am, they were kind enough to let me celebrate St. Patrick's Day on the air with all of you on this Wednesday, but going forward the rest of the season, it will be a Thursday afternoon program, as we have oh so much to cover on this first HSK Today. We will hear from... Uh, Vegas Golden Knights president of hockey operations, George McPhee, in our next segment as he takes us through the uh, the imagination that went into creating the Henderson Silver Knights and to bringing AHL hockey to the Vegas Valley and how it's been beneficial for both AHL and NHL affiliate alike. We'll hear from defenseman Ryan Murphy, the assistant captain of the Henderson Silver Knights, and uh, he is off to... You could argue the best statistical start of his professional career, and as an 11th overall draft pick in the NHL, he's had a pretty good professional career thus far. So uh, he'll talk to us about why it's been going so well in Henderson and uh, just a little bit more about him as a person, as a player, as he continues to grow. And then we'll have some fun along the way as well. I expect my, my plan, folks, as I follow in the, uh, the footsteps of Darren Millard and in the mold of the VGK Insider Show, this is going to be a fun show. That's what we're, we're geared towards. We're going to learn a little, we're going to laugh a little, and we're going to have a whole lot of fun. And, and part of having fun is to incorporate you, the fans, as much as I possibly can. Uh, so throughout the week, uh, if you follow the, uh, the Twitter accounts for the Henderson Silver Knights or for my, my own at Brian J. McCormick, we're going to have opportunities for you guys to be a part of this program. And uh, today, one of the ways that we will do that is a, a concept, a, 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 a segment I like to call Fans on the Mic. You guys listen to me all weekend long, maybe so much so that you get tired of it. Well, we let you hop into the saddle and to have a little play-by-play -play fun of your own. We have a few submissions for this week's edition that we will bring to you at the end of the program. So lots and lots to get to, but first what we should touch on really is, well, a Henderson Silver Knights team that is 11-2 to start the season and coming off a weekend split in California. A loss in sa on Saturday uh, against the Ontario Reign where Manny Viveros said uh, he was not happy with his team, that they were not ready to play, and Something we very, very seldom said this season about the Henderson Silver Knights is that they have not been uh, ready to play, or you know, my uh, my phrasing for it, didn't have their stuff that night. But they bounced back very well the following day against the San Diego Gulls and largely did that on the shoulders of Oscar Dansk, who had a career performance with 48 saves. We'll talk about that in a little bit as well. But uh, for the Silver Knights, despite the frustration on Saturday, they bounced back nicely on Sunday. They get back in the win column, and now they get to come back home after what has frankly been almost a calendar month away. The last home game they had was against the Gulls on February 27th. Ever since then, they have been on the road and waiting to come back as there was uh, college basketball at the Orleans Arena for the last few weeks. So we're ready to get back to home ice, and we're ready to see uh, fans as well as uh, very, very happy and, th well, I shouldn't say happy, just flat out thrilled that we're going to have fans in the building this weekend and that uh, I will have an opportunity, hopefully, to meet a few of you as well. Looking at this past weekend, uh, Manny Viveros, uh, we caught up with earlier this week since practice has resumed, and we talked a little bit about uh, the, the bounce-back response of his team. Again, how they responded to a disappointing 
uh, performance on Saturday and were able to get themselves back in gear for Sunday. And uh, Manny Viveros, happy with how his team was able to make that response. Let's hear what Manny Viveros had to say. Well, you know, both teams were, I thought, by the end of the game on, on Sunday, were running on fumes was on such a short turnaround for both teams. Uh, we knew that they were going to come hard, and we knew we had to be better than we were there on, on Saturday, and we certainly were. Uh, you know, Oscar uh, was, was outstanding. He gave us a, ch a chance in that first period. They shot us heavily, but I thought we got our, you know, our legs underneath us after that in the second and third period and played pretty, uh, you know, for the last 40 minutes, uh, pretty good hockey. So very happy the way we responded, and that's what you expect from, from good teams. And, um, you know, you, you may have an off night every once in a while, but you, you never want to have two off nights. And that was head coach Manny Viveros. And again, what, what I thought was interesting on Sunday against San Diego was it wasn't just a response to the game before. It was a response to the game within the game because my, my personal uh, opinion and observation, the first period on Sunday in San Diego really wasn't that much better than Saturday's performance. It was a little bit sluggish again. So for the Silver Knights, whatever it is they discussed in the first intermission, whatever it is they had to get rectified, the second period, much, much better, much more energy, much more puck control. Um, and it was it was the recognition of not allowing the weekend to, to snowball on them a little bit. One of the things the Silver Knights have done such a good job of this year is anytime there's been any kind of adversity, and there hasn't been much, but anytime there has been, they've been able to stick their heels in the ground and, and dig in and, and turn things around. They haven't allowed things to snowball or to become a, uh, a talking point. Um, and Sunday was, was just that. After a rough first period, they recognized the fact that things are not trending in the right direction. They get back to work on, uh, on uh, in the second period. They get an early goal in the second period from Danny O'Regan, his 201st car uh, career point, uh, which probably also helped stabilize things a little bit, and, and they made that correction. So uh, that was a massive, uh, uh, a massive correction and a, a step in the right direction for the Silver Knights as they stay uh, on the positive side throughout the weekend, and they get to 11-2. and two. Now, we're going to move on to a segment that uh, we'll do regularly during this program, and it's a little something where we talk about the uh, the players bouncing back and forth. This is an AHL affiliate, and therefore there's going to be a lot of transaction work between the Silver Knights and the Golden Knights, and therefore it's something we'll like to call Silver and Gold. Silver and Gold, Silver and Gold, everyone wishes for Silver and Gold. Everyone wishes for silver and gold. That's exactly what you're going to get. And for the Silver Knights, they had some transactions earlier today as, well, it's been a goaltending shuffle really throughout the season as one of the benefits of having the, the proximity of the Henderson and Vegas uh, organizations is that you can send players back and forth, not just based on health needs or whatnot, but just playing time and keeping guys active. And we've seen that with Oscar Dansk, Dylan Ferguson, and Logan Thompson. So Oscar Dansk earlier today sent back to the Vegas taxi squad, coming back in Henderson's direction, Dylan Ferguson and Logan Thompson. Dylan Ferguson's only played one game this year. It was a shutout. Uh, so we'll see if he gets some game time ahead as well. Logan Thompson, of course, has had a fantastic start to his Henderson Silver Knights career, having the bulk of the workload thus far. Also earlier this week, Marcus Kelly was assigned to the Vegas Golden Knights from HIFK junior team in Finland, former draft pick of the Vegas Golden Knights, and he has been in practice with the team this week. So certainly the organization excited to see what Marcus Kelly has to offer. Well, we talked about uh, Oscar Dansk, who had a career performance on Sunday. 48 saves was a career high, and it I couldn't help but wonder for Oscar Dansk, well, when you're facing a deluge like that, does it feel that busy or does it kind of just blur right by? We heard a little bit from Oscar Dansk on that yesterday. Oscar, a career-high 48 saves for you on Sunday in San Diego. Uh, did, did it feel like that heavy of a workload or did it go by a little quicker than that? Uh, I think when you're in it, I think uh, it doesn't really feel uh, as much as maybe it was, but 
they certainly had a lot of pressure and they came out hard swinging in the first period, um, which uh, you know, I'm glad we were able to weather that storm and then build off of our, our good foundational game. One save of yours that has been making the social media rounds has been that uh, head over heels stop you made in the third period. Uh, what was the uh, the thought process of, of trying to just get in a position to make a stop on that sequence? Um, not much thought process. Um, glad my Pilates is paying off. Have you made a lot of stops like that, or is that one of the better ones you've had? Uh, that's probably one of the better ones. I don't think you make those too often, but it's fun to fun to make it. It's kind of partly why you you want to be a goalie. That was Oscar Danska. I'm sure each and every one of us right now is making an appointment for Pilates because if it can let you do that, I mean, I had a, it took me 20 minutes to tie my shoes this morning, so I, I, I'm going to get into the Pilates game like Oscar Dansk was. But uh, good results for Oscar Dansk. He gets a win, uh, career-high 48 saves, and gets the call back to the Vegas Taxi Squad earlier today. Well, as we mentioned, there's fans in the building this weekend, and that means we have a few important instructions or reminders to give you. There are still limited single-game tickets available for the month of March. That includes this opening weekend. You can log on to HendersonSilverKnights.com for more ticketing information. Also, private luxury suites are now available. Call the single the Silver Knights ticketing team at 702-645-4259. 702 to secure your suite. And tell them Brian sent you to receive the best possible price on any of the remaining March home games. Well, we'll step aside, and when we come back, we'll hear from Vegas Golden Knights President of Hockey Operations, George McPhee, as he tells us a little bit about how the Henderson Silver Knights came to be and, well, where this organization is headed. Back in just a moment on HSK Today, Brian McCormick here with you on 1230 The Game. We are tonight's entertainment. I only have one question. Where is Brian McCormick? Back on HSK Today, Brian McCormick here with you in studio, the inaugural broadcast for HSK Today. You know what, we're coming out swinging because we have the president of hockey operations for the Vegas Golden Knights, Mr. George McPhee, kind enough to join us. And George, it's great to have you with us. My pleasure. Thank you very much. And on a game day, no less. So thank you for taking the time. First off, I, I think what all fans would like to, to get a little background on is this team that we have in Henderson now, this AHL affiliation between the Henderson Silver Knights and the Vegas Golden Knights, how did this all come to be? What was the, the mindset for yourself and the Vegas organization to bring AHL hockey to Henderson? Well, we always thought that it would be uh, the most desirable situation to have our AHL affiliate as close as possible. So uh, when we arrived here, the Chicago Wolves uh, were already in play. Uh, the organization had been talking to them about an affiliation, and at that time, it uh, it was basically the best solution um, because we we didn't have time to to buy and build uh, an AHL franchise. Um, we had all that we could handle in build, building our own NHL organization and preparing for the expansion draft and the amateur draft and free agency. So, um, so we we just uh, put it on the back burner for a year. We had signed, a, I believe it was a three-year deal with Chicago, and um, in in year two we focused on the possibility of uh, of getting an AHL affiliate uh, in the West. And we were then approached by the city of Henderson representatives uh, who had heard rumors about our desire to have an AHL franchise in the West and floated the idea of re relocating a, a franchise to Henderson. And uh, we had great discussions with them for several weeks. And then um, 
made a lot of progress and, and decided to try to make it so. Um, then we embarked on the journey of trying to purchase an AHL franchise, and that, was, that wasn't that was easy. Uh, there were none for sale. And we were talking to a number of teams and just thought that the, uh, the only way we're going to make this happen is if we put a big number out there and uh, <laughs> in terms of a purchase price and uh, hope that that would uh, change things and see if the, the fish would start biting. And uh, uh, we had been talking to two teams extensively, but there just wasn't any traction. And then suddenly, out of the blue, we got a call from San Antonio. Uh, they were ready to, to sell a team for the number we had uh, proposed out there, and it took less than a week uh, to do the deal. And then it took a few months um, for the AHL to do its due diligence and and get the uh, AHL uh, Board of Governors vote. Um, but that was basically the process, and uh, so here we are. <laughs> you know, George, it's so funny how we can have two sides, uh, two perspectives of the same story where, you know, it took so long for, for the San Antonio option to come around. I was the radio guy in San Antonio, so it was just as, uh, as sudden a development for me as well. But it, it's, it's impressive how, for you guys, you did this and you went all the way. Because right now, I'm sitting inside Lifeguard Arena. This is the practice facility for the Henderson Silver Knights, and it rivals the practice facility of a lot of NHL organizations. So you didn't just take a couple of years to find the right fit for an organization to bring to, bring to Henderson. You want to make sure that Henderson was ready for that organization. Yeah, and we certainly uh, always wanted to, you know, to to grow hockey at the grassroots level and to build more rinks in Vegas. And we had an opportunity to put Lifeguard Arena there, put two sheets in there, and it's a big part of you know the staggering growth year over year of youth hockey for boys and girls, and and uh, and hockey for adults and tournaments and and everything else and figure skating and public skating so um you know that we're obviously bill foley was serious about doing everything right here and uh we've been trying to do everything right and um so that was a big move to have that and then when henderson came back and said you know if you're gonna if you're looking for an ahl team we're interested in having it right here which was absolutely ideal you know there's just there's almost just an infinite number of benefits to doing this and, and really no downside. Uh, the players love having um, uh, the AHL team and NHL team uh, so close because if you're an AHL player, you know, it's easy to be recalled to the big club. When you come to town, you get one place and one apartment for the season. You're welcome to come here all summer and train and either CNA or lifeguard. Uh, you get watched by VGK management a lot in practice and in games, and you know you get to 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 know the NHL players. You get to train with them. You can attend VGK games on off nights, and obviously, it's a we have great facilities, and it's a fantastic place to live. Uh, you know, with the weather and the ability to play golf all year long and uh, and the tax situation so it's it's just it's it's great for the players it's great for the club we we save lots of travel expenses we attract uh uh free agents uh you know from college and junior and uh from the American League because uh, they like the sounds of playing here and and uh, convenience so um and it's it's great for fans you know they get to watch both teams and how players develop and how 
you know, we build hockey in Vegas, and it's a uh, it's remarkable, really, that five years ago Vegas didn't have any hockey teams, and uh, and now it uh, has uh, a successful operation at the NHL level, at the American League so far, and and four facilities. Uh, so, uh, pretty amazing uh, progress that we we've made, and. Uh, and it's, I think it's been fantastic for Vegas, and Vegas has been fantastic for us. We're with George McPhee. And, and George, with that same mindset, one of the things I think is so interesting is just being around the players uh, at both uh, CNA and, and uh, Lifeguard Arena. Sometimes when a player gets sent down to the minor leagues, it's uh, they might be going to some Rust Belt city or somewhere a thousand miles away, and you can there's a little you know it's, that can be tough news to take because you feel there's a, a separation here, both because of the facilities at Lifeguard Arena and because there is that proximity, not just that literal mileage proximity, but just that kind of ever-present VGK sense about it. It, it seems more to me, it's less like a, an employee being relocated to another industrial park and more like your boss is asking to, to move your desk. It seems like players are always in that VGK setting, and, and that's got to be much, much easier for a player when he, when he has that bouncing back and forth situation. Well, it's a, that's a fabulous way of describing it, and it's, it's how we feel that we're, we're basically one organization and uh, and we have people going back and forth all the time. We've been over to Henderson to watch practices. We've been to, to many games. Um, a lot of uh, the Henderson players have, have uh, been at the BGK uh, games and and come over to this facility to either have something to eat or get uh, COVID testing. And um, it really is, it, it really does feel like one big organization. And it's just a... Uh, it's just a great thing to have, uh, you know. You you envision certain possibilities and and you go to work and put it together, and uh, you're really really fortunate when it turns out to be even better than you ever anticipated. And that's the way it's been in Vegas uh, from from day one uh, with the the Golden Knights, and uh, now it, it feels the same way with with two teams in one organization. It's it's just been uh, a real treat to, to have it work out this well. George, with yourself, Kelly, Manny Viveros, when you guys had discussions about player development, you know, that's what the Henderson Silver Knights are all about, developing players that will one day hopefully play over at T-Mobile Arena. I always wonder, are all players, no matter what, you know, when you bring them in, this is a player that we can make perfect or... You know, no matter how hard a player works, he can only get so fast. No matter how much he studies, his hockey IQ can only go so high. Is every player a player that you guys are trying to perfect, or is it a matter of prioritizing what tools they have in their skill set and which ones you can maximize? Uh, another great question. And uh, every player has basically, in our mind, his own development plan and things to work on, uh, just as, you know, when you're uh, strength and conditioning co- coach or your sports performance department gets their hands on a guy, they determined what things uh, are in uh, in good shape or in a good place and what things need to be developed uh, in terms of your your physical composition uh, composition and your uh, your fitness level. Um, so they go to work on players and we do the same sort of thing. Like, uh, how much should they play, and who should they play with, and uh, 
and what's the best track? Do you leave a, a player in college for another year? Or do you pull him out now because um, he's ready to go? And you know, our philosophy with college players is we 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 really don't go to them to pull them out. It's when they start asking us um, um, when they uh, you know when should they come out and are they ready to come out. Uh, we'll tell them what we think, but uh, otherwise, when a kid goes to college, we we let them play, and and things will work out when they work out. Um, but that's that's basically how we approach it. It's a, you know, it's it's one thing to draft a player or sign a uh, a free agent, um, but that's just one part of the process. The the second part is r- really important, and that's the development uh, plan and path. And there are some players that uh, we had interest in in the draft in in the last few years, um, but we're worried about their development path and where they were going to be playing um, once we drafted them. You know, and uh, and because you worry about that, you don't draft them, and uh, you move on to somebody else where you're you're confident in. Um, the, the plan that uh, they're going to embark on on their own and then with our with our uh, contributions um, uh, we'll get them to where we need them to be we're with George McPhee George you're the president of hockey operations Kelly McCrimmon is the general manager I feel like it's it's a not that uh, it's a relatively new development that front offices have been structured this way. I think back to uh, you know, John Davidson in St. Louis was the first I remembered of there being a president of hockey operations and general manager separately. Now, that may, may not be true, but that's the first I remember noticing it. Now, it's, it's actually quite common. What are the benefits of having that uh, that division of labor between yourself and Kelly, and also how do you guys partner together to make uh, decisions for the organization? Well, um, <clears throat> we they're, they're, it really hasn't changed a lot since day one. Um, we, uh, when I was hiring, uh, Kelly, I told him because he had other opportunities and I just told him that he would be, if he came here involved in every single decision that's made in hockey operations. And it's certainly the way that, um, the management style that I've enjoyed, uh, working in over the years, a real participative management style where, you know, when we're discussing things, we have a lot of people involved, uh, pro staff, amateur staff, analytics department, uh, CAF specialist, uh, Kelly and I, uh, and we have a lot of meetings, and it's an environment that uh, I think really um, helps us make good decisions. Everyone is comfortable uh, making their own contributions. Um, People will speak up, and we go through it enough that at the end of the, the process, we've reached a decision that we're comfortable with, and we make the decision, and you move on to to the next item. Um, that's the way we've operated. Kelly and I talk all day long, every day. Uh, you're basically on call at all times in these jobs. Um, <clears throat> in, in making the change, um, uh, you know what? I, I, you know, Kelly was valuable to the organization. We wanted to keep the group together. We have been able to keep the group together. 
uh, over the years, and um, you know our discussions are are the same. The difference is he's making the calls to the GMs, um, he's dealing with the media, um, and uh, and things of that nature. I respect the general manager's position enough that um, he, he's got to have room to do things, and he gets that room. Um, but you know, I, we just have this great working relationship uh, where there's a, a a lot of mutual respect, and uh, we've never argued over a single thing. We've had great conversations, and we just get to the right places uh, that we that we need to. And uh, so that's how it's worked. Um, I don't know if I answered the second part of your question or the first part, but there were two parts, so. Um, that was all encompassing okay last question for you george we're gonna have fans in the building for the first time this weekend at the orleans arena and when you guys you know envisioned this a couple of years back envisioned having an ahl team in henderson fans were a big part of that mental image how excited are you for the fans to actually get an up close and in-person look uh, at what this uh, what the vegas golden knights have built here we're really excited about it uh and it's going to be great for the players and you know what we experienced with the Vegas Golden Knights the first time our fans were in the building uh was remarkable it it, it um it, it's like seeing uh a long lost friend and you you know you miss them you didn't realize how much you missed them and it was really heartwarming uh that first time they were back and i uh, you know our players in Henderson um, they need fans in the building. It's hard playing in empty buildings, and um, and it's it's exciting playing in a building that has has fans in it, and really exciting when you're in a building that's sold out. And uh, we we would have been sold out for all these games, uh, but the pandemic got in the way. But we'll get there again, and uh, I, I think it's just going to be uh, terrific for our players. Uh, to be not only performing for themselves and for the team, but for um, some big fans of theirs. I knew 15 minutes wasn't going to be enough. George McPhee, Vegas Golden Knights, President of Hockey Operations, thank you so much for taking the time this afternoon. I hope we can do it again sometime real soon. You're welcome, Brian. It's, it felt like we were just getting warmed up, but you're right. We'll do it again. <laughs> we do it once a week. We'll get you back as soon as you're able. Really appreciate your time. Thank that was George kindly. McPhee, the Vegas Golden Knights President of Hockey Operations. We'll be back with Ryan Murphy on the other side of the break here on HSK Today on 1230 The Game. I want you to get up now. I want all of you to get up out of your chairs. I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it, and stick your head out and yell. HSK Today. Back on HSK Today, Brian McCormick here with you. Jared Justice on the other side of the glass as we get you set for two games this weekend. Back on home ice as the Silver Knights get ready to take on the San Jose Barracuda. Likely to be a big factor in that game because he is in most games is defenseman Ryan Murphy, who is off to arguably the best start of his professional career and quickly becoming a fan favorite as well. Earlier today, I caught up with Ryan Murphy. Let's hear what he had to say. All right, with Ryan Murphy on HSK Today. And uh, Ryan, just first off, how much have you enjoyed playing in Henderson this season? It's been awesome. I mean, it's Vegas, so anytime, anytime you're around Vegas, it's pretty fun. And uh, we're winning as well, so that makes it even better. And uh, I know everyone's enjoying it. 
Now, you can make an argument that you're off to your best statistical season ever, your best start ever in your career. Any particular reason why things have gotten off to such a great start this season? Uh, I think I had a hotter start when I was like 12 or 13, but <laughs> it's, been, uh, it's been a good start. I mean, we got a very talented hockey team, a lot of guys who want to win hockey games and put up points, and whenever you have that, that's a recipe for, for good things. So we're just all clicking, uh, clicking well together right now. We just want to keep it going. Now, Danny O'Regan's goal on uh, Sunday was started by you being about five feet above the blue paint. Now, I know it's a power play, so things are a little bit more amorphous, but this seems to be a very, very aggressive system which has to be for, for defensemen, which has to be a lot of fun for a guy like you to play in. Yeah, it is fun. I think the coaches trust in all of us to make, uh, make our reads, and when they trust you making your own reads, you uh, kind of have the ability to uh, make some... Uh, I guess risky risky calls but as long as they pay up, pay off it's uh it's a good thing but yeah we we have the freedom and uh coaches trust us and we're playing well within the system and if the guys can figure if we keep going and figuring out how to use our skill within a system it's going to be a dangerous squad with silver knights assistant captain ryan murphy ryan that system though does it work for everybody? So, for example, when I was a defenseman on Long Island at the age of 16, putting up one assist every 45 games, if the coach said, Brian, go whenever you want, wouldn't have changed all that much. It seems like it's not as easy as just go. Like, you have to have the instincts to, to take advantage of that opportunity. Yeah, I mean, I think my whole life when I was at a young age, I was taught to go the opposite way of the puck and to try to pick off passes and play offensively. And with the first bit of my career, it was a lot of learning the defense side of the game. And uh, I've said it before, I, I feel like I'm at a point where I can blend them both together, my offense and my defense, and, and be an effective player. That being said, you, you, you can't go off on your own page entirely. You've got to pick your spots and play within the system. But it's nice to have the, the freedom and the abilities to, do, uh, to play the offensive side and to, to help, uh, help get on the score sheet and stuff. Yeah, Ryan, you have mentioned that before. I found that to be a fascinating answer when you were asked about your time in, in the KHL and how it was kind of about, uh, it, I'll paraphrase, but finding that offensive side of the game uh, again. That's got to be part of being a, a, the growth of a player, not only trying to perfect the things that you need to improve on, but not also lose the spark of what made you special in the first place. It is. I mean, uh, coming into pro hockey, I, I think I was just labeled as a defensive liability, and putting aside my offensive upside at the time, all I was thinking about was, protecting my own end and not being scored against because that's how I thought I was going to be a better pro and I've had a lot of coaches so far and each and every coach you take a little bit of what they're trying to teach you and you apply it to your game and now I'm nine years in with probably 10 different D coaches and I've taken a lot of a lot of uh, little tips that they've given me and I've put it into my game and just trying to get back to where I succeed, and that's reading the play and being able to jump into the play. And like I said, I feel I feel good. I feel like it's all clicking right now. How important is that as a player? Jamie Heward played in the NHL as a defenseman for many years. To, to have coaches that I'm not going so far as to say as you trust, because I'm sure you trust all of them to some extent, but but that can communicate to you on the right level to make things sink in. That even playing as long as you have, that you can still pick up on something new. Yeah, it's huge. I mean, I think the most important with more most important thing with our coaches is they know you're not going to have the best game every night some nights you're not going to be feeling it you, you could have your legs but you're not going to be mentally engaged and just not have your best game and they know that they all they ask for is you for you to compete and that's another thing i've learned if you compete you're going to feel good about yourself after the game 
Whereas if you go into a game and you're not feeling it and you take a, take a couple levels, taking a couple levels down, you're, you're going to feel like you didn't contribute after the game. So with, the, with our coaches encouraging us to make plays and, and then not, I guess, realizing that everyone's not going to have their best game and the way they approach that, it's been awesome so far. And we have a pretty mature group where some guys know where they go wrong and you don't need to be told. And I think they, they noticed that. We're talking to Ryan Murphy of the Henderson Silver Knights. I think we would say that Saturday was one of those games where across the board the team didn't have it. You bounce back on Sunday and get back in the wind column. I imagine that when you're not playing well, when you're not stringing wins together, bouncing back after a tough loss might be a bit of a, a foreboding task. But when you guys are winning the way you are, you probably relish the opportunity to come back the very next day and play. How much of a difference does it make having an 11-2 and two start versus maybe a 5-5 five and five start of bouncing back from some of those rough afternoons? Yeah, and I think uh, in my career so far, I haven't been fortunate enough to be on a team that that's a, a winning team and a team that's been able to win every night consistently, and that's what we have this year. And the difference between average teams and the great teams are what they do in the bounce-back games. And so far, after our two losses, even though that last San Diego win, I think we got outshot 200-3, to we still found a way to win, and that's, that's when you know you got something special. The guys want to win. We hate to lose, and everyone feels that way. So we got, we're almost halfway through the season, and we just want to keep it going. You know, we say that all the time that the AHL is getting younger, uh, and that at age 27 puts you as an elder statesman on this team, as strange as that sounds. How does it feel to be one of the older guys in the room at 27 and one of the guys that I'm sure younger guys are, are looking to? I mean, uh, in the room, I like to blend well with everyone. I still feel young at heart. I like to mess around with the guys. So, I mean, I have a little bit of experience. I can help them with some maybe some plays or sometimes if I've gone wrong in my career and I can see them going down the same path, it's nice to maybe maybe dial them back in and to let them know that it's not worth it. Or, But on the ice, I mean, I, I haven't really had a full season with a team that I can con- completely devote myself to, to one team. I've either been up and down or in Russia was the first year where I've had a, a full season with one team and it felt great to be able to be part of something and to be consistently in a lineup and, and helping the team win. So coming into this year, I, I, I was excited. I was on, I'm on an AHL deal, and for the most part, I know I'm going to be with the Henderson Silver Knights, and it's nice to be able to give my full self to one team and, and help whoever out on and off the ice. With Ryan Murphy. Ryan, uh, we did a bit of a player poll at the start of the year, and it was pretty much unanimous. I think Jack Dugan might have been the only person to vote against you, but you are the funniest guy on the team. Uh, has that always been the case? Were you the class clown growing up, or have you just gotten funny as you've gotten older? Uh, I don't know. I mean, my fiance always says I make her laugh, so maybe I am a little funny. Uh, I think it's gone from the class clown to just maybe a bit more mature jokes, but I don't know. I like to be vocal in the dressing room. I've always been a guy who's likes to keep it loose before games, and sometimes I get, have to have a couple chats with the coaches to let me know that not everyone is is as loose as I am before the games, but I, it feels like everyone's kind of in the same boat this year. Everyone is happy. Everyone like likes to come to the rink every day. Everyone loves to win hockey games, so until uh, until I notice that I got to step it back and be a bit more serious sometimes, I'm, I'm just going to keep it going. We're 11-2, and two, guys are happy, and things are rolling. See, that was going to be my next question. Does your fiancé think you're funny? Because if she doesn't think you're funny, then you're not funny. Yeah, actually, it's funny. I asked her last night. I was like, what's your favorite quality about me? And she said she said I make her laugh, so I'll, I'll take it. <laughs> well, we're going to have fans in the building for the first time this season on Saturday. I know you guys have been looking forward to that. I almost wonder, 
since I imagine by now you guys have maybe gotten used to the empty buildings a little bit, does, does Saturday almost come with some butterflies? Like, does it almost feel like another opening day? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I remember growing up and anytime you had over a hundred people watching the game, you had a little bit of extra momentum going into it. So fans are a huge part of it. And with uh, the success we're having right now and the support we've had throughout the, the town of Henderson, whether it's social media or mailing and letters and stuff like that have, have been unbelievable. So I know everyone's pretty excited to see what they can bring. Carrie, okay, give you a couple of stupid questions, and we're going to let you go. Uh, first of all, if Ryan Murphy could have any superpower, which would he choose? Probably time travel would be a cool one to have. What do you want to go back to or forward to? Oh, go back to some good party moments or take back some mistakes <laughs> I've made or do whatever you want. <laughs> what is Ryan Murphy more afraid of, deep space or deep sea? Ooh, I think deep sea. I think uh, anytime you're underwater and can't breathe with whatever is under there, it's pretty scary. We don't know what's out there, but we're pretty sure there's something down there. And how does Ryan Murphy celebrate St. Patrick's Day? Uh, Any other year, probably a couple of green beers with the boys, having a good night. But this year, I'm thinking a nice dinner, maybe some Fortnite, (laughs) nothing crazy. Are you good at Fortnite, or is that something uh, that Logan Thompson needs to teach you more about? For as many hours as I put into it, I'd like to say I'm an above-average player, but there are some 12-year-olds that can still kick my butt. Well, Ryan, two afternoon games this weekend, so hopefully you have some free evenings to get better at. Thanks for taking the time. Uh, thank you. That was Ryan Murphy, and uh, really enjoying his uh, his first season in Henderson and giving fans a lot to enjoy. And, and interesting that he said, of course, every team, every player wants to get to the National Hockey League, and Ryan Murphy does as well. But he's he's relishing the fact that he's on an AHL deal in Henderson. He knows he's going to be in Henderson. And he's able to commit to one team. It's been a while since he's been able to do that. So uh, interesting that he would point that out. And, uh, well, the results uh, verify that it's working out very well for him and for everyone. Uh, we're going to move forward now. And, uh, Jared, I'm going to bring you in. What what do you know, Jared, about hockey vocabulary? Do you know a lot of the, the key words and buzz, uh, buzzwords, phrases? I mean, I know flow is hair. So That's good. See, that's a start. That's uh, actually I have a really kind of weird story about that. That uh, wandering or, or looking around an old office, Ryan Wallace, Ryan the hockey guy from pre-intermission and post <laughs> on the Golden Knights, found like somebody must have printed off like a glossary of hockey terms, and for, uh, <laughs> about a year, once a day, he would just go, Jared, what's a shorty? And I'd just go, short-handed goal. And he'd just go, all right. See, Well, that person would appreciate this next segment because the hockey has an extensive vernacular of random phrases and words that you've never heard of in any other walk of life and that you can't for the life of you figure out what the heck they could possibly mean. Anyone who sits down and watches like an episode of Letterkenny knows that it's just an entirely different dialect. So we are lucky that we have... You know, 30-some-odd PhDs in the sport of hockey walking around the building all the time, they can tell us what they think. So, of course, Vegas Golden Knight fans know the, the victory flamingo. That's always a good thing when you see the victory flamingo. If someone calls you a flamingo, not such a good thing, as we heard from some Silver Knights players uh, today. So let's give a listen to our first edition of Hockey Talk. Tyrell Goldborn, uh, in hockey terms, what is a flamingo? Something that you don't want to do or else you'll get ripped by the bench. When you go to block a shot, you lift your foot because you don't want to actually block it. What is a grocery stick? Zero clue. Like, I have no clue what that means. 
Maybe a lot of goals in your stick? I don't know. Oscar Dance, what is a flamingo? Bird. <laughs> uh, it's when you try to block a shot and you put one skate up in the air, I think, right? What does it mean to call a player a grocery stick? Uh, that would be somebody that sits on the bench, I believe, a lot. Paul Cotter, what is a flamingo? Ooh, that's uh, not the best term if you're getting that one. Normally when uh, D is shooting a shot from the point and you're coming in to block it, you kind of lift your foot up because you're scared to block, so hopefully you don't get too many of those called at you. What is a grocery stick? I think it's someone that's pretty bad. And why, I, I don't know. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not sure. Jack Dugan, what's a flamingo? Uh, flamingo is when you go to block a shot and you lift up a leg. I don't think uh, you're supposed to do it and the bench doesn't appreciate it very much, so. Have you ever been called a flamingo? I have. I've been accused of it in the past, but I'm trying to get over it. What's a grocery stick? That's a guy who uh, sits in the middle of the bench, kind of separates the fours and D, doesn't play a whole lot. And it's kind of a demeaning term for that guy, I guess. Have you ever used that term against anyone before? No, I have not. I've also never been called it, so I'm proud of that. <laughs> so there's your vocabulary test for the day. How about Jack Dugan gets 100 on the vocabulary test. Everybody knew flamingo. It's when you lift the one leg up so you don't take a shot off the ankle. It's a, it's a, a moment of cowardice, if you will. Not everyone knew grocery stick. Uh, Jared, you could probably anyone can relate to this. When you go to the grocery store and someone has their stuff on the conveyor belt, you want to separate your stuff from theirs. You put the little stick down on the belt. That's where it comes from. It's it's the player who separates the defenseman from the forwards on the bench and serves really no other purpose than that. So as as Jack said, a uh, a demeaning term, but he was right on top of it. So that is our first edition of Hockey Talk, and we'll be uh, educating you with more hockey slang. Uh, the rest of the season. I'll tell you what, Jared, one thing I really do appreciate is some of these terms. It's not low-hanging fruit. There's some, there's some real uh, mental gymnastics that have to be done uh, to come up with some of these terms. It's genuinely like there's a level of, oh, yeah, Canada's huge. And so you've got a lot of country guys talking to city guys, and that gets, you know, malinpropped into a phrase that I go, okay, I don't know what that means. Well, like we said, this show is going to be a force of education for the masses, and we'll go along with it throughout the season. So, Jared, print out those glossary terms once again. We're going to step aside, but when we come back, we're going to hear a little bit more from our fans with our first Fans on the Mic segment to wrap it up on this Wednesday afternoon on the HSK Today program on 1230 The Game. Across for Podorowski in front on the backhand. Carrick is stopped by Danst. And the rebound goes behind the net. Another jam attempt at the side of the cage. Danst has it again. Where's the puck? They're still scrambling for it. The puck's below the goal line. Now Bruyard from the circle shot. Save made by Dansk. Dansk with a cartwheel kicked it out. And the rebound put off the crossbar. We're back to five on five, but Oscar Dansk is still putting on a show. Final segment on HSK Today. Brian McCormick here with you. Jared Justice on the other side of the glass. Happy St. Patrick's Day to everyone in our audience. Well, that was Oscar Dansk's heroic, acrobatic, head-over-heels save that he made on Sunday in San Diego. That clip has unsurprisingly gone relatively viral over the course of the last couple of days, at least amongst the VGK community. And it got me thinking, you know, gosh, I have a cool job. Gosh, I really do. I just get to be a fan and talk to myself during the games, and no one's allowed to tell me to stop talking to myself because it's literally what I'm there to do. Uh, so as I get to watch the clip over and over again, I think to myself, like, why should I have all the fun? Everyone liked that clip. Everyone liked that highlight. Everyone else was probably screaming just as loud as I was. So 
Why shouldn't we hear what you guys have to say? I want to hear fan play-by-play. That's what I want to hear. So this will be another of those recurring segments on this show and a chance for you guys to get involved. So we only had a few submissions uh, this week, which is pretty good because this will be a proof of concept. It's either going to prove that this is a fun idea and more people are going to want to jump in, or it's going to prove that it was a terrible idea and we'll forget it ever happened. But nonetheless, a few fans did jump in. For fans on the mic in our first submission of a play-by-play call of the Oscar Dansk acrobatic save comes from Patrick in New York. Here are the goals behind the net. Goals with a shot. Oh, what a save by Dansk! So you think you can dance? I don't think so. What a save, stacking the pads. <laughs> and that was Patrick. And and you know what the best thing is, Jared, is you can tell anyone who submits something like this. Again, I'm allowed to, to yell at the top of my lungs with complete impunity. Anyone else who submits something like this, you know that they're hiding in their house in a room doing it quietly where their wife can't hear them. They're quarantining at home, and they're like, they're afraid their neighbors are going to be like, <laughs> why does he keep yelling, shoot? That's exactly it. So we have the the enthusiasm to do it and to do a heck of a job while also trying to maintain some sort of secrecy. I I respect that entirely. And it's very similar to what we had in our second submission that came from Steve from Summerlin. Loose puck down low. Boys are scrambling. Puck makes its way out to the top. Shot saved by Dansk. Boys are scrambling around. Dansk with another save. And the puck seems to be battling around the ice. Dansk looks like Simone Biles doing a floor exercise at the gymnastics. <laughs> Oscar Dansk putting on a show here in net. <laughs> looks like Simone Biles in the floor exercises. And I'll tell you, Jerry, it sounds like I think Steve was riding the exercise bike while he made that call. Is that what it sounded like to you? There's, there's definitely some sort of physical exertion going on mid-call. I mean, I was thinking he was at the grocery store, but yeah, no, like yeah, that was pretty good. And that's again, this is why I'm impressed with what our fans can possibly throw into the mix here, because I I just stand there with hands in pockets as I do the game. I should, I kind of feel from listening to these two submissions, I need to to up the ante. I need to start doing like some sort of physical activity. I'm taking it easy on myself. I need to do more. You're gonna be calling the game in Warrior One. Yeah, well, okay, well, even that is well, it's not too restful, I guess, because. Is that, that internal fire? You're right, but but juggling or or doing someone's God. taxes, I just I feel lazy. I feel like I'm underdoing. I, I'm not I'm not living up to all the effort I can live up to. Um, but you know that that's why we do this. This is why we're doing fans on the mic. It's not only so you guys can have a little bit of face time, but also so that I can learn from you. So thank you for all who submitted. Again, fans on the mic. We'll do that throughout the season when there is a. Well, a highlight that's worthy of it. So again, the Henderson Silver Knights taking on the San Jose Barracuda this weekend. Saturday's game is at 1, Sunday's is at 12. And with that, again, just a little bit of uh, quick fan information that we can provide to you. A reminder that for Saturday when you want to come in, you want to make sure that you have your digital tickets prepared already. Entering the arena is going to be completely contactless on Saturday, so for the best overall experience, please have your digital tickets prepared to scan upon arrival. And again, there are still tickets available for Saturday and Sunday. Log on to HendersonSilverKnights.com, HendersonSilverKnights.com for single-game tickets available all throughout the remainder of the month of March. That'll do it for today's HSK Today. Again, the rest of the way will be a Thursday afternoon program, always from 3 to 4 here on 12.30 The Game. With Jared Justice, I'm Brian McCormick. Thanks so much for joining us, and stay tuned for My Guys in the Desert. Have a good week, everybody.